Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. We worship together at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, both in person and online at youtube.com slash area10church. Kid-friendly programming is also available at the same time just down the street at 2810 at Community Gathering Place. We hope to see you at the Bird Theater soon. Now, on to this week's message. I love the idea of getting a second chance in life, don't you? Like, ever since I was little, you know, if you, if you mess up, you get a do-over. You get that chance to take another shot at it. It just feels good, and it feels good your whole life. It always feels good to get a second chance. It feels good in uh, relationships when you, when you blow it, and she says, I'll take you back. Okay, that's a good second chance. That's, that's great. It feels good at work when you have a bad quarter, and the, and the boss says, all right, we'll, we'll work it out, and we'll get you... We'll get you straight, and we'll, we'll, you got another shot at this. That's fine, you know. And you go, okay, second chance. It's great. It feels it feels good at school when you when you blow it on the test, and the teacher's like, all right, I'm going to give you some extra credit so you can make it up. And you're like, yes, a second chance to to get back in this thing. It, it feels good on the sports team when you don't play well, and the coach is like, you can still have your starting spot or whatever. I'll give you a second chance. We love second chances for ourselves. We don't love second chances as much for other people, especially if they did us wrong, then we're not really into second chances as much. You know what I mean? Like if, if, if I'm speeding and the cop pulls me over, I want the cop to show me some mercy. I want the cop to be like, well, you know, I understand that you were distracted and you have a lot going on right now and things are hard at home and whatever, and I'm just going to give you a warning. But if somebody cuts us off in traffic and then speeds ahead, you're like, I want that person to be in jail. Like, I hope the cop pulls him over. And, and for me, I want the cop to give me mercy. For them, I want the cop to give them the full extent of the law. I want to see a guy in cuffs when I go by, when I drive by him later. Like, right? That's how it is. We want second chances. We don't necessarily want them for other people all the time. And this is a little bit of the situation that... Jonah found himself in as he is told by God, hey, Jonah, go speak to the Assyrian, to the city of Nineveh. Go talk to these people and tell them to repent and change their ways. God is offering the Ninevites, the Assyrians, he's offering them a second chance. And Jonah is not real thrilled with this plan because the Assyrians are horrible people. They're wicked. They have, they're, they're, there's stories about them in the ancient world. And so uh, when God tells Jonah, hey, go tell the Assyrians to repent, Jonah doesn't want them to repent. He wants them to get pulled over and have the full extent of the law done to them, and he wants them in jail effectively from God. You know? So he doesn't want them to repent. And so Jonah decides to run away from God and gets on a boat heading in the opposite direction from Nineveh. And as we looked at last week, uh, there's a second chance here, not just for the Ninevites, but there's a second chance for Jonah. Because the, the, the storm comes up, God sends a storm, and the, and the boat's rocking and all this, and they're freaking out, and they end up throwing Jonah overboard, and he gets swallowed by a fish. Now, that's where, that's where the story, that's what the story is known for. It's where it gets kind of weird. But he swallows the, he's swallowed by a fish, and while he's in the fish, he sings these songs and prays these prayers to God, and, and Rachel kind of walked you through that last week. And I got to say, if you get swallowed by a fish and you're still alive like a big fish, like a whale, right? You get swallowed by something really big and you're still alive. I would think at that moment you would really start thinking about your life choices, right? You'd be like, "How? I don't know where I intended to end up five years from now or whatever, but it wasn't here. 
Like this is not the right, like something has gone terribly wrong that you end up alive in a fish that miraculously was sent and all this sort of stuff. So it's, it's a very odd thing. Um, but it is a second chance, not just for Nineveh, but it's a second chance for Jonah to actually go do what God had called him to do. So he reflects on his life choices. And then in Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, we'll pick it up and we'll see what happens next. Starting with verse 1, it says this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. If you remember Jonah chapter 1, it starts almost the same way. God calls to Jonah and says, arise, go and tell the city of Jonah this message that I have. And so it's, it's a second chance. This is the, almost the exact same call from God to, to Jonah um, after he has been um, uh, spit out onto, onto dry land. God gives him the second chance. God has given a second chance to give the Ninevite, gives Jonah a second chance to give the Ninevites a second chance. And so um, he, he is told to call out and speak against the city. Now, Jonah knows that when he shows up to the Ninevites into this city in, in the Assyrian kingdom, when he shows up there, he's going to be speaking against them. In other words, he's going to show up and say, uh, God's really irritated with you and you all need to change which is not the message anybody wants to deliver. Nobody wants to bring the bad news. If, if God had said to Jonah, go to the Ninevites and tell them that God is love and that he's very happy and we just love to see you and everything is good, it wouldn't be so bad. But Jonah knows this is going to be very unpopular, what I'm about to say to these people. It is not going to go well. He's told to call out against that great city. The, the term great city, uh, the idea is that it's not like, the most important city, but it is an important city to God. It is, it's a, it's a good-sized city. It's a significant city in the ancient world. But all of these cities matter to God because his people are there. It, we, we tend to read, when we read the Bible, we think Jerusalem because it's so, such a central city in the story of the, of the Jews and then the Christians in the early, early days, and then the Rome, Rome becomes a big thing as well. But all of these cities are God's. Richmond, Los Angeles, Shanghai, Istanbul, these are great cities because they belong to God. They matter to him. And so even Nineveh, which has a, a bad track record of what they're doing there, uh, it's still called here a great city in a sense because the people there matter to God and those are his people. So Jonah takes his second chance to go give the Assyrians a second chance and he speaks to them at Nineveh. Uh, let, me, let me pick it up in... Where we go? Jonah uh, chapter, two, chapter 3, verse 3. Listen. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days of journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. When the, when the fish spits Jonah up onto the land, it's Israel. That's, what's the, that's what borders the sea there. So he's got to go back where he started near Joppa and walk to Nineveh. So that's already a, a, a several-day journey to get all the way to Nineveh. And then, which is modern-day, we said uh, week one, modern-day Mosul, Iraq, that area. So he walks all the way to there. And when he gets there, we, we hear that the city's a, a great city, three days to walk. So it's either like a long walk through the city or there's just a lot of area to cover or it would take three days to go to all the little parts of the town, something like that. But he goes there and there's this, maybe this significance of three days. He was three days in the fish and Jesus is three days in the grave and there's a lot of a symbolism around the number three in the scriptures of, of like it symbolizes sort of this 
uh, death and resurrection. So maybe, maybe there's that. He spends three days in Nineveh uh, offering them the hope of rebirth and, rebirth and, and resurrection. So that it's three days. And Jonah stands up and he delivers the shortest sermon ever. Right? Here's the sermon. Let's put it up on the screen. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Eight words. In Hebrew, that's five words. So it's, it's a quick one. And I don't, know if, I don't know if that's a sign of how reluctant Jonah was to give the message. He's like, give this message against the people. You know, if, if, you're, if you want to get up there and say how bad the Ninevites are, and you, and you feel it, and you're there, and you're like, these people are horrible. And, and all he says is, you got 40 days, guys, and then, and then this place is going to be overthrown. Um, that's, maybe that's Jonah just doing the shortest message ever. Uh, and, and just trying to get out of there, just kind of like I said my thing and now I'm done. But it's interesting, right? You, you'll see in a moment how effective it was. But that's his message. You got 40 days, and then the city will be overthrown. Now, overthrown doesn't always mean a bad thing in Scripture. Sometimes it means a good thing. It can mean, uh, you know, ransacked, destroyed, um, toppled, right? That kind of idea. But sometimes it can mean a good thing. Overthrown, actually, that word in Hebrew can sometimes mean like, a revolution, but like in a good way, like a, a rebirth, that kind of thing. But he's bringing this message of judgment, and he says 40 days. 40 days is another number in the scripture that if, if Jews were reading this originally, they would go, oh, I, I know what that is, 40 days. That's God's judgment. Judgment comes in 40 days. This is an echo back all the way to Noah, that the rain, it rained on the earth for 40 days, 40 nights, that kind of idea. This is God cleansing the earth and then bringing his judgment. So the number 40 shows up quite a bit in the scriptures, and, and oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes it represents uh, judgment. And so he stands up and he gives, you know, a, a very short sermon, you got 40 days and then God's going to overthrow this stuff um, and, and, and wipe it out. I want to address the uncomfortable part of this for us, because really, he's showing up in a city in another country and he's telling them this truth. Uh, if you don't change your ways, God is going to wipe this place out. And as we think about it, we sort of go, man, that's uncomfortable. Like, the idea that God would wipe out an entire city. Think about that today. Like, an entire city. It seems to us, quite literally, like overkill. Like, oh, come on. Like, the whole city can't be bad, right? There's probably a couple good people in the city. You don't need to... This is a little over the top, God. You don't need to wipe out an entire city. And so what does that make you think about God when, when that is the message, when that's what he's saying he will do? And as you answer that and as you think about that, I want you to think about the fact that all of us in this room are 21st century Americans on some level. Maybe you're from another country, but you know, we're here. And so we think about this like Western world people in the 21st century. So when we read something like that, we go, well, that's not right. That doesn't feel, you know, inclusive. That doesn't feel nice. I, that, you know, God, why would you wipe out an entire city? I thought like, you know, I thought kindness is everything or whatever. Like, this is this not very kind. Like, these are the things because of the way we have grown up and what we have learned about the way the world works and what we think is good and right and proper. This is the way we hear this stuff. Oh, God's doing a, a terrible thing. He's going to wipe these, these people out. Um, we would probably do something like, oh, no, the Assyrians, yeah, maybe they're bad, but 
I don't want to judge. I don't want to be judgy and tell them that they're bad. Maybe they just need more education or like maybe it's a function of poverty or maybe, you know, maybe they just made some bad choices, but we can help them make other choices. And, and basically we would want to roll in there like, can't we all just be friends, right? And that, that says a lot about us, not necessarily a lot about God, but that says a lot about us, that we read this story and we go, oh no, you can't wipe out a whole city. But you need to understand the Assyrians and who we're talking about here. You can Google this, look up, there are YouTubes, there's videos, there's stuff about the Assyrian Empire. They are well known, not just religious sources, I'm just saying any secular history of the ancient world, when they mention the Assyrians, these people are brutal well-known for conquering other people. Um, in, when they fight in battle, they would take people and impale them uh, on st- st- uh, sticks and spears and stuff like that. Uh, they, they would peel the skin off of their enemies and stick them to the wall, like make, make like a wall hanging of, of the skin of their enemies. Like they are famously in the ancient world a brutal group of people. And so if that's who they are and you are God looking at what they do, and you said, hey, uh, I think I should wipe this whole group of people out. This whole city needs to be gone. I'm just saying, like, how do you know that's not the right call for, for a, a group of people that are like that, that are that, are that brutal to others? What, what's the alternative? It, should God be like, Nineveh's rough. I'm going to open rehab centers. Maybe they'll stop making, you know, wall hangings out of people's skin. Maybe we could go in there and sing some songs. Maybe they just need a little bit of better education. Look, sometimes evil takes over a society across the board, and it gets very dark very quickly. We've seen that in, in Nazi Germany, right? We've seen that in our lifetime in, in Rwanda. Sometimes it goes very dark and out of control. And I think Nineveh is like that. One article I read said they were the terrorists of the ancient world. So this is not a great group of people. And so if God says, I, I, they need to change or I'm going to wipe them out, I don't feel comfortable saying that's the wrong call. And the only way I'd say it's the wrong call is because I'm an American in the 21st century and I just want everyone to hug. It's like, look, this is some dark, dark stuff. So God gives them a second chance. Look at how they respond. Jonah 3, verse 5. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast, and they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. For whatever reason, the shortest sermon ever lands with the people, and they go, oh, no. Oh, you're, you're right. And they, they stop eating, they fast, and they put on sackcloth. Sackcloth is like a loincloth kind of thing that they would wear, and it's when you're fasting or mourning, and it's like a scratchy, uncomfortable material. I guess you're really holy if you wear uncomfortable material, you know, in this area. Uh, so good, good for them. Uh, they, they respond with sackcloth, um, and they feel this sense of conviction, and they feel like, oh, we, we've messed up, and here's this, this word from this guy letting us know that God is, is going to wipe this place out. Um, the Assyrians were brutal to their enemies. That's clear. We don't know a ton about in the day-to-day, in the city, were they also brutal in various ways. You have things in the ancient world like child sacrifice. So if, if they are doing that, 
if they're sacrificing their firstborn and things like that, and God says, I want you to wipe these people out, again, how, how do you weigh that kind of stuff? How dark had it gotten across the culture in the day-to-day, men, women, children, everyone? How bad was it that God is going to wipe them out if they're doing horrible things? And yet, God sends to them a lifeline, and he's like, all right, um, you, can, you can repent and, and change. And it says, all of them, from the least of them to the greatest, repent, including the king. Look at this, verse 6. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Now, this sounds like we might call it like hedging your bets or just or sort of going like, well, it sounds like it's going to be bad, and the king just maybe playing a political move here and going like, well, let's pray to that God. Maybe there's something to this message this guy Jonah's bringing. But it also tells us that he was cut to the heart. I actually think this is 